Hello, sir. You here to interview for the position? Uh, yes, sir. I can't wait to start working for this company. Uh, what would you say are some of your strengths? Hmm, well, I'm good at eating nachos, complaining about sports, and beatboxing. I'm interested in that last one. Can you give me a sample? Sure thing, boss. Welcome to Frustration Nation, the FN podcast for FN fans of FN sports teams. On this podcast, we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm your pessimistic host and Chicago fan, Kyle George, and I'm here with my miserable co-host and Detroit fan, Shane Westwood. Shane, what we got going this week? You've heard us gripe about the MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL, but does frustration occur in college football? The answer will definitely not surprise you. Get ready for your weekly dose of negativity, courtesy of Shane and Kyle. All right, Shane. Well, I have gone first on all of the pro sports, Mm -hmm. but to be honest with you, in a nutshell, I mean, I will talk about Notre Dame if you want me to, but just to start off with the fans, the only reason I'm a Notre Dame fan is because I'm married into a Notre Dame family. I will I will definitely go into it because I definitely have some memories from it. Um, but I would like I think you should take the reins on this mm-hmm. one. I want to hear you because I know you have some very special memories with the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. Uh, so I think you should you should go and take as much time as you need because I don't have quite as much to say as you will. So before I get into all of the structure and the memories and kind of just breaking down my team and summaries, let me first just tell you a story. I love story time. Let me tell you about a story (laughs) about my first experience as a Michigan fan. So this was September 1st. It was the Michigan season opener. And my dad had been given tickets to this game. Shane was only 14 and he'd never been to a football game before, so he couldn't wait to go. It was a magical afternoon, tailgating on the golf course and following the band up the street to the stadium. 107,000 fans packed into the big house, which was the largest stadium in college football. Michigan was ranked number five in the country and considered a strong national championship contender. Everything was perfect, and little Shane knew he would never forget this day. Well, no one else ever forgot it either because the opponent was Appalachian State, and Michigan suffered the most embarrassing loss in program history. (laughs) You sound like you're tearing up a little bit. (laughs) This is tough, man. (laughs) I should have known from the start to rethink my fandom at this point. I should have known that I was doomed to a life of frustration and heartbreak, and I hope I'm expressing how devastating this loss was. If you want to know how the Russians felt after the miracle on ice, imagine being a Michigan fan after Appalachian State. (laughs) So this is is what started my fandom. And since then, I've seen every game and been to a few of them. I've never missed a game. I've never missed a play. I've watched or listened to everything. And that's because of all the teams I've mentioned so far in this podcast, none of them are as important to me as Michigan football. The Wolverines are everything. I don't follow any sports as closely, and it's just something about the hype, the pageantry, 
and then the heartbreak of that first game that just got inside me and changed me like no other sports have. So can I just interject real quick? So Shane's story about Appalachian State being his first Michigan experience is 100% true. And I know this because uh, it wasn't too long ago I was making fun of Appalachian State beating Michigan. And he kind of got serious with me and was like, that was that was my first game that I went to of Michigan. <laughs> I remember kind of feeling bad, but also thinking that was the most amazing thing ever. And I remember like after the game walking out and just people... I remember seeing people cry, fans oh, no. crying. And I remember just seeing, because we had to walk down the street, it had all the frat houses and everything, people throwing <laughs> things, smashing things. As a kid, I'm just like, wow, I, these guys really are upset. But I guess I didn't really like fully understand the significance of that. I was just like, oh, it sucks, our team lost. It was at that point that Shane realized that he should start a podcast called Frustration Nation. <laughs> <laughs> that moment really... That moment damaged me. I think I'm <laughs> I'm damaged goods at this point. Like something snapped inside my brain or like something's horribly wrong with me. And maybe it set me up to be able to endure more frustration with teams like the Lions. I don't know. That's funny. So there's no team I care more about than the Michigan football team. So naturally no team causes me more frustration than the Wolverines. And I could go on and on here about different seasons and memories and former players and staff but really all the frustration just boils down to one team two words ohio state (laughs) (laughs) yeah insert sound effects here (laughs) the michigan ohio state rivalry and i'm biased but in my opinion it's the greatest rivalry in sports we're talking like north carolina duke basketball the army navy like up there with the best rivalries in sports for sure nazis and the jews (laughs) (laughs) with ohio state being the nazis in this situation right 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 um so growing up it's hard to even describe if you didn't live in either ohio state or michigan like the school areas growing up it was one of the most anticipated days of the year like a state holiday and that's why all those memories of just looking forward to the games, discussing it, like associating that memory with fall, that's why it's so frustrating to see what the rivalries become today, the joke that the rivalry is now. So if you don't follow college football that closely, or I don't know how much we've talked about this even, Kyle, but with you kind of following more recently, so Ohio State has won 15 of the last 16 games and eight in a row. And I guess I've went through all the stages of grief with this so like i was angry and i was sad and now honestly i'm just dead inside not quite the same um but i can i feel similarly at least with the bears packers um because the bears haven't beaten the packers i mean they've beaten them once in a few seasons but most of the time they get swept by the packers mm-hmm. so then ima- imagine that same thing with I mean, with two games a season for NFL, imagine that same thing then instead of 15 years, that goes on for eight years. Over the past eight years, say you've lost 15 of the 16 games, like just to put it in some perspective. And that's not even as bad because with a year between college football games, you have to deal with that loss for a whole year without a chance to make it up. (laughs) Brutal. Yeah. In my fan lifetime, since I've started watching, Michigan's only won one game, and that was pretty universally considered Ohio State's worst down year in the past 
several decades because they had an interim head coach and they went like seven and six or something that year. But aside from that, loss after loss after loss. It's like the expression death, taxes, you know, things that are guaranteed. It's death, taxes, and getting bent over by Ohio State every year. (laughs) That's the reality of life at this point. What's really sad is I was at my in-laws, and they care a lot more about college football than I. Are they Notre Dame fans or... Yeah, the, yeah, they're the Notre Dame fans. Um, but we were watching the Michigan Ohio State game this past year, and you know, this past year is the 150th year of college football, mm-hmm. and so they had this like big hour long like historical opening thing to the Michigan Ohio State game, and uh, you know they're hyping it up as this huge rivalry and everything. And talking with my my in laws is kind of like, not really, not now. Now the way now with the way things have gone, you know, yeah. and I mean I as a Notre Dame fan, I hate Ohio State definitely not as much as you, but I hate Ohio State still. And for me, also I have way more friends that are Michigan fans, including you, and so I always kind of feel <laughs> for um, feel feel for you guys a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, man. I guess I have sympathy. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly just like I, I don't even know what to say on this. I mean, like, what can't? What can you say? Like, Podcast over. <laughs> thanks, guys. Be sure to tune in next week. And it's just every year. So I tell myself, like right now, we're pretty far out from the season starting. I tell myself, all right, I'm not going to get my hopes up. We don't have a chance. And then what happens is the season starts. The team's good, maybe not great. Maybe we have a couple losses, but the Michigan, they recruit well and they're a talented team. So we get closer to the game, and I tell myself, I mean, it's football. Anything could happen. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this time might be different. Maybe the bad man will finally stop hurting me. <laughs> and <laughs> so then I tune in every year, kind of slowly building up my my optimism just to have my heart torn out of my chest one more time. How many more years can it go on? We're stuck in football purgatory. <laughs> There's no end in sight. Coaches come and go. Players come and go. But one thing stays the same is Ohio State's our daddy. I don't know what we can do at this point. And it's so frustrating. And an abusive father at that. Beats me every year. (laughs) If I could pinpoint one specific thing, like we need to fire the coach, or if there was one specific thing we could address, at least then I would know what to be upset about. But it Mm -hmm. just, I don't know if we've just been defeated mentally, or I don't know what it is. Like if there's Ohio State fans listening, like some of my. My relatives, my wife's side of the family, I'm sure you're just taking incredible joy in all of this. <laughs> I don't even know how to defend myself to them at this point. Like, At first, I would dread we would go to her grandparents' house in Ohio for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that. And I always hate, like, it's always right after the Michigan game, and I always have to deal with the, the taunting and making fun and everything. You know what sucks now, though, is they've stopped making fun of me. I don't know if they feel bad for me or it's just a given at this point, but like they don't even, they just accept that they're going to win every year. That's even better. That is awesome. Like, I don't even know what else I can say on this. Honestly, I got a lot of fans um, and analysts and like talk show guys for Michigan. They've said at this point, they don't even count that last game of the year. Our schedule's one game shorter and that's just, don't even consider that being a possible win. The fan base, wow. um, all those who follow the team and analyze the team and break everything down, it's like, 
just the level of like resignation and hopelessness it's hard to even describe at this point it's 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 sad that one of the greatest rivalries in sports could get to that point it's one thing if you're a team who's mm-hmm. like smaller market smaller team not a lot of history i don't know northwestern just to pick a school and <laughs> it's tough i mean you lose to the big teams every year but the expectations aren't the same but to be michigan yep. and i mean there is a talent gap ohio state has historically recruited and continues to recruit a little higher, but not that kind of talent yet. I mean, Michigan still leads the all-time series. The rivalry seen big swings were like during the '90s, so before I was even a fan. But not that, so it doesn't help me at all. But um, so Michigan dominated the rivalry during that time. It's kind of been a rivalry of big swings where teams dominate, um, but nothing like this. It's one of those things we talked about with the Lions, where at some point you'd think you would accidentally win a playoff game. Well, at some point, you'd think Michigan would just accidentally figure out how to beat Ohio State. It just doesn't happen. I feel like this episode could just be one long sigh. Yeah. This episode should have never happened. Now I'm just upset. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Michigan, there are lots of good memories. And like I kind of glossed over, I said I could talk a lot about former seasons, former players. And there's a lot of good with all of that. And so I don't want this whole episode just be talking about Ohio State. But as a fan, it honestly boils down to that. When you look at the past decade or whatever of my fandom, mm-hmm. um, that's the hurdle we can't get over. Like, that's what stops us from getting to the next level. And as a team, which you'll talk about Notre Dame, too, when you're one of, when you're one of those programs that has the kind of history behind it where you have those expectations, it's not enough to just win eight or nine games a year win some mediocre bowl game like those expectations are always going to be over your program and the Mm -hmm. bar is so much higher that with us losing ohio state every year it's hard to consider any of those seasons a success even if there was good wins along the way yeah real quick just to say like so again my experience as a college football fan is very very new i'm still learning a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff um but it's interesting watching teams with bowl games um because whether it's michigan like or or notre dame Mm -hmm. both of those teams everybody because of the history i think and the level of expectations everyone has everyone expects them to be better than a bowl Mm -hmm. game a meaningless bowl game and yet on the flip side you have teams that have been fighting for the longest time in their history just to make a bowl game Mm -hmm. and it's just it's one of the most interesting things to me in all of sports because with college football as opposed to all the pro sports it's all about recruitment yeah you know somebody can pick your school because they want to go there and or or not um it's not like it's regulated or like a salary cap or draft or anything like that right yeah it's very lopsided by design Mm -hmm. which brings a lot of great drama but also brings again a lot of schools that have struggled for their entire history to even make a bowl game and it's just it's just interesting Mm -hmm. to me that's for sure yeah and i guess we could talk more to just about college football in general a lot of my frustration with michigan not being able to beat ohio state is because the nature of college football a loss hurts you in that way more than any other sport and i mean obviously Mm -hmm. then the nba or baseball with long regular seasons but even compared to the nfl where a good season is considered 10 wins and six losses 
or 11 wins, right. you're still allowed to lose third of your games. College football, if you lose one game, your season could be over. Yep. Because there's so many teams, the records are so high, and it's like to get into the playoff, that's the other thing. You can't count on making some playoff run like you're just a borderline team. If it was as many playoff teams as there were in the NFL, Michigan would have made that kind of playoff a lot of years, and then maybe you can put it together at the right time, go on a run, get some good matchups. With a four-team playoff, which even that's more recent, your chance to make that playoff is so slim and the margin for error is so small that having a team that continually beats you every year that by itself, even if you win every other game, that can be the difference between you being a contender and not. And that's the beauty For and sure. also the frustration of college football. Yep. And if you're a great team, you trip up once against some team you weren't supposed to beat. And so much of college football, too, is strength of schedule because you have a committee mm-hmm. who's trying to pick these four playoff teams. And if you have a team who's won all your games but you stumbled against some mediocre 500 team – and get embarrassed, yep. which this actually happened to Ohio State several times. You get embarrassed by like Purdue or Iowa or a team like that, and your strength of schedule takes such a dip that slipping up once can cost you your season. And you're talking about young guys who 18, 19, 20-year-olds, obviously you're a lot more likely to have those kind of mistakes, lack of experience, mm-hmm. which again, it's it's the beauty and the horror of college football. It's such a different game. Yeah. Speaking of the horror of college football, have you ever heard of the Penn State? Oh, never mind. Oh. Scandal is a whole nother thing we could get into. And that's so different with college athletics in general, too, because the dynamic between player and coach is so much different yep. than pro sports. That, that kind of lends itself to, to mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, some that's of a good the issues point. we've seen. Yeah, because in pro sports, I mean, you ha- you obviously have respect for your coach, but at the same time, the players are generally getting paid more than the coaches are, and it's kind of a a little bit more of a co-worker relationship where you're working with this coach mm-hmm. as opposed to you're working for the coach. And in college football, I mean, yeah. the coach is your authority. To take the NBA, for example, say you don't get along with your coach, and so he just he doesn't give you the playing time you deserve. Well, at that point, you've already demonstrated your abilities enough that you're yeah. going to get a chance somewhere else if you're actually good enough. If you're looking at college football yeah. with enrollment and transfers working differently than trades do for pro sports, it's not as simple as I'm not getting the playing time I need, so I, somebody else will give me a shot. If the coach doesn't give you your playing time, your career might just be over, even if you had the ability. Yep. And and if you don't follow a coach's orders in a specific way, even if it's something that you know is wrong or whatever, mm-hmm. they could threaten you with not giving you that playing time. And then you're getting screwed over for unjust causes, which, again, I don't know as much about college football. I don't even know that much about the history and scandals and stuff like that. But yeah. I know that things like that definitely happen. And I think a lot of th- – it probably is continuing to happen. And just keep in mind, too – these guys, they aren't supposed to be making money. Some of them maybe are. That's another thing. But Right. Well, I mean, the NCAA is easily the most upright, um, rule-abiding organization in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not right next to FIFA. That's good company right there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that that's interesting, too. It's College football is just such a unique – Which it's funny because aside from a few rule differences, it's so similar to – the NFL that you'd think it'd actually have a lot of comparisons, like really similar to uh, the National Football League. 
But actually, there's a lot mm-hmm. more parallels between the NFL and other pro sports, I think, just because there's so many different dynamics as far as, I mean, they're playing the same game, but mm-hmm. the rules and the foundation that set that up are just so different that if you're a fan, which is why you see so many people who are fans of one but not the other. Also, the yeah. whole thing with, which is, again, ties back to why recruiting is so important, you could have a great team and the next year half your starters graduate or go to the draft early yep and so you're having yep. to reload every single year which is kind of cool as a fan as long as your team recruits well i'm sure it's frustrating if you get like a once in a lifetime recruit that you're not used to getting and then they leave but as long as you're recruiting well it's kind of cool because you're not stuck with the same mediocre quarterback or mediocre defensive line or whatever for years and years but the way yep. that that cycle moves quickly in college football that's also really different yeah no you're totally right so okay so i know that ohio state spanks your booty every year i know i i know that the michigan football every michigan football game is like watching a a plane that is burning just fall to its death and and the hundreds of people that are on board but you can't stop watching no matter what i understand all of that but i want to hear what are some of the memories that instead of a, a burning plane some memories of the plane while it was still flying before that happened <laughs> no not just the plane while it's flying do you have any memories of it like this awesome sporty private jet yeah um or is it is it more like a like a world war one biplane that's barely, barely make it off the ground <laughs> no i think and again you talked about this too and it's a good point i don't want to be that spoiled fan who it says it's all negative when there's teams out there that are struggling to win five games a year and i mean michigan at least we're we're winning nine ten games a year going to pretty significant mm-hmm. bowl games we have big rivalry games to look forward to i guess the sour taste of my mouth or like the the negative that sits over the whole thing is ohio state so that makes it hard to make yeah. the positives mean much um whereas some of those positives i can talk something about like wins over penn state and notre dame and um michigan state other rivals yeah so let's hear about let's hear about one of those that you remember like really vividly like one, one of your best memories mm-hmm. from your michigan fandom just some that come to mind and again i have to think about like which seasons these were but um well like last year the game against notre dame which i'm sure you'll talk about from your perspective mm-hmm. too that was one of our better wins um it's like my only low point in my notre dame fandom that's how like new yeah. my fandom is <laughs> most of the good wins are like middle of the season really fun regular season wins or a few years back we mm-hmm. opened the season against florida um so as a season opener just all the the talk that went into it all the debate florida fans kind of talking trash a little bit and then we just stomp a hole in florida and this was was that a tebow team no this was more recent after tebow a few okay. years ago yeah well another year this is going back too but we beat tebow and the gators and i think it was lloyd carr's last bowl game it's hmm. like an orange bowl or citrus bowl or something like that um so so really good memories and i use that word good intentionally because none of them are great memories enjoyable moments but nothing legendary or amazing or incredible Mm. you know Um, you don't even have like a specific play that stands out to you we had one game against this is several years ago against wisconsin that was super low scoring they were we were both ranked they were ranked a little higher than us i think super low scoring we won the game like 10 to 7 and i remember at the 
game ceiling interception, a one-handed, one of the best catches I've ever seen. If you want to look up the highlight, look for Jordan Lewis interception, Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, and just that to cap off a win there. Uh, the Notre Dame game from last year and games like that stick out. Cause I remember that game, it was raining super hard. Mm-hmm. And so like things like that just add to the nostalgia of remembering those wins. Ohio state's the biggest rival and the most hated team, Michigan state, those right up there. And a lot of that's credit to Mark Antonio, the former now coach of Michigan state. Um, Cause they've always been a, like a smaller program. Whoa. kind of. <laughs> <what's>, <laughs> I um, just watched that play. Which oh the Jordan Jordan Lewis. Lewis yeah so yeah that was a great moment it was fourteen um, to seven okay that's higher than I thought it was but still like pretty low scoring game and actually he intercepted it on fourth down so it wouldn't have mattered but it was still like a play that stands out you know it's super cool <laughs> some of my favorite ones are um, like wins over Michigan State because growing up this is kind of interesting dynamic too growing up in the Metro Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest rival was Ohio State, and there actually were a lot of Ohio State fans there in that area, with it just being a, another Midwest team. Yeah. But you actually, the people, which you kind of understand being in Chicago with two um, pro baseball teams, having coworkers, friends, family who are some Michigan fans, some Michigan State fans, mm-hmm. um, kind of that kind of rivalry is just different because people who live in the same area who are fans of all the same professional teams would be rivals when it comes to college football. Yeah. So that was actually a pretty big rivalry, especially because most of my fandom was when Michigan state was kind of at their height as far actually, as actually being able to compete with bigger teams like Michigan and Ohio state. I actually had a, uh, <laughs> I had a Bible study leader in high school who mm-hmm. uh, grew up a Michigan fan and then could only afford to go to Michigan state. And so he went there and mm-hmm. is now a Michigan State fan. <laughs> yeah. Or honestly, which this is kind of annoying. Michigan fans are some of the most like arrogant and pretentious <laughs> fans. And I'll admit that in college football. And there a lot of them are like, well, you don't have the grades to get into Michigan. But it is true. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> a lot of the guys who like it is easier to get into Michigan State and it's cheaper. So um, there's kind of a – which Michigan fam- – so Michigan famously beat – Michigan State, this is over a decade ago, and Mike Hart was our like our best player, our running back. We were losing most of the game. We come from behind, win the game, and Mike Hart famously says when he's asked about what happened in the game, he says, it's like when you're playing basketball against your little brother. You let him get ahead just so you can come back and beat him. <laughs> and that set off this whole thing where a lot of Michigan fans were upset he said that afterwards because Michigan State used that as like bulletin board material, chip oh, on their shoulder every year. They think we're little brother. Let's show them, you know. And Michigan State actually went on to kind of dominate that rivalry for a while, oh, um, wow. and just did really well against Michigan. So some, oh man, I I gotta mention this at least briefly. I don't know if you've. I feel like I've told you about this or you've seen it before. The blocked kick, Michigan yes. State against Michigan. That's my most painful single, second most actually second most painful yeah. single moment in college football. I was going to say, when I asked you for a specific play of Michigan, to be honest, what mm-hmm. ran through my mind was that play. And I was like, oh, wait, that was not positive for him. <laughs> that play was brutal. I remember we watched that at my wife's parents' house. And I just remember trying to hold it together because I knew we were at their house and just telling Hannah, I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. I was so upset after that. Oh, that's awesome. Like one of those moments where I try to somehow 
stop being a fan, which is impossible. <laughs> One of those moments where I just wish it, I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. That's the second worst. <laughs> the worst is 2016 Ohio State. We were in double overtime, and Ohio State had the ball, just kicked a field goal in the second overtime. So with college football playoff yeah. rules, Ohio State can tie with a field goal or win with a touchdown. So fourth down and less than a yard to go. It's fourth and inches. Oh, my gosh. Basically, their quarterback scrambles on fourth down, so they go for it on fourth instead of trying to tie it with the field goal. He gets to the line, the first down marker, and hit right at the line and goes down. Hmm. I still think he was short for sure, and hmm. I admit I'm biased. At the very least, it was a very difficult call, but he was called first down, and then next play, Ohio State scores a touchdown and wins that game. That's the closest we've ever been to beating them since that last time we did win, and that's the single worst moment is we came an inch away from beating them that game. So that and the Michigan State are like the two most, the two worst single memories that stand out. But there are lots of single positive memories too, like I kind of mentioned a couple. And then more recently, the past few years, I think we've beat Michigan State now three of the past four years um, because they're kind of on the decline again a little bit. And that's been super satisfying after the way they beat us. So I'm sure. Um, Were you you just like losing your mind the other year when – Ohio State lost to Purdue yes but at the same time like I do I I really enjoyed it but it kind of feels cheap when that happens and I still feel like well we can't do that you know like it would mean more if I mean obviously it'd mean more if we beat them but like Michigan just needs their own Tyler Trent yeah (laughs) I volunteers (laughs) (laughs) you heard him Merle (laughs) I, that is if we ever have college football again. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping those college and NFL seasons don't get pushed back. We'll see how, how that plays I, out. But I uh, we Again, I was at my in-laws when we were watching that Purdue-Ohio State game. And uh, when the game started, I remember turning to my in-laws and just saying, look, guys, I know Ohio State is like ranked third or something like that. And I said, but I'm not joking that whenever – I feel like whenever a team is playing for somebody that has cancer or just recently died or something like that, they always seem to win. Yeah. Emotion like that is huge, especially in college sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And lo and behold, Purdue showed Ohio State what's up. Mm-hmm. All right, so I looked up this play. Which one? The, oh, the, the, the From the 2016 game. And... Oh my goodness. It is It's so close. And I admit I'm biased when I look at that, but I think he's short. The problem is that he fell backward. Like he ran forward and then fell backward. And maybe that's part of the illusion of it is him if he falls forward and kind of like hits the ground right on the line, that makes it look more uh, just the fact he gets driven backwards if anything makes it look short. To me. It's also hard because I'm judging based on I'm judging based on the yellow line on the field which they always every now and then will say is inaccurate and keep in mind that line's thicker than the actual like point you need to get to right. with the yard marker so just because you hit the edge of the yellow line doesn't mean you hit the yard marker and also it's not where his body's at it's where the ball's at which is kind of like mm-hmm. at his side a little bit like i can see this play in my mind i'm not even looking <laughs> i'm not even looking at it right now but i've just certain <laughs> moments funny. are just burned into your into your head um, it's very interesting, but that I'm moment is like again. yeah, having oh, to having to watch so that live because when you think this is the year we're going to beat Ohio State, have it come down to that play is brutal. 
So part of the part of the problem too with this is he's wearing a he's wearing a black sleeve. And when he when he kind of lunges forward, where he lunges forward from the camera angle is into the matching black socks of a teammate. And then the football obviously is a dark color too, blending in with that. Mm-hmm. And then he's falling backwards. So it, you can't even really tell where, where the nose of the football, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, uh, yeah. Would the call on the field was first down? Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. at that I point, mean, you have to stick. You with can't it. challenge it. It's yeah. like my my problem isn't like that the coach should have challenged it or anything. I understand once the call is made on the field, mm-hmm. that's the call. You know, if it would have went the other way, I don't think Ohio State could have reversed that. It's just frustrating. It's so close. I guess I'm not so concerned about thinking they got the call wrong. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that the closest shot we ever had came down to that inch. I'm not watching this video with volume because I'm listening to you, but. Based on the way it's shot, it seems like this was a video made by an Ohio State fan. Okay, because he posted like the end, the post game rant by Jim Harbaugh to start the video, and then he shows the play. And then as the officials are running to spot the ball, he circles both of them and makes comments and said, "This this official here thinks that it's a first down. This one does as well." And then he puts the the forward progress rule states blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, this guy guys, sounds just get like out a, of here. This guy sounds like a douchebag, and I've never <laughs> even seen him. <laughs> the worst thing is that Ohio State fans aren't like, man, that was really close. But I mean, the call on the field, they try to defend and say he was clearly, it was clearly a first down. Well, okay, first of all, his YouTube picture is of what is the Buckeye mascot his name? His cousin. Oh, Brutus. Brutus. Okay, yeah. So he that's his picture. I wonder if he's biased at all. His name is Billy George. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> well, Michigan, to be honest, I'm glad I'm not a fan, but I have... So, even before I met you, one of my um, good friends growing up was a Michigan fan, um, and he... I always kind of, like, not really, but, like, sort of rooted for them just because he was my friend and I didn't have really a college team I guess are you are you good if I go ahead and transition a little bit because I'm mm-hmm. kind of yeah do, for doing sure that subconsciously no that's good so here's the deal my parents went to a small branch of the University of Wisconsin um, they went to the Platteville campus and they were never really my dad never had a college football team he was interested neither did my mom and just because they were at the University of Wisconsin Platteville branch does not mean that you are in the hustle and bustle of where like the Badgers fans are. So like mm-hmm. I did not really at all grow up a Badgers fan. My mom had some cousins who were so like I was around some people occasionally when there'd be like family reunions that were Badgers fans. But my exposure to that was very minimal. Um, then any aunts and uncles who I had that were that I was close with either went to small colleges or did not go to college. So mm-hmm. I never had any team that I was really going to root for that was relevant in college football. Mm-hmm. So I only and I only ever had that I recall two friends growing up that cared about college sports and one was a Michigan fan who I just alluded to and the other rooted for Kansas University cuz that's where his parents went. And they're good in basketball, but again, regarding football, 
it's just kind of irrelevant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, those two friends, Kansas University and the Michigan fan, they both are also friends. And so my friend who is the Kansas fan, he, he would root for Ohio State just to make my friend who's the Michigan fan upset. It was kind of funny. <laughs> so I did not have a team because I had no relatives going to any college that was worth rooting for. And my friends, I had I had friends who cared, but not really that much. And or they, they cared a lot, but I didn't have that many friends that cared other than those two. And I therefore, I was not really interested. Mm-hmm. And then the last part is it doesn't really help that the quote-unquote Chicago college teams have sucked ass my entire life. And most of their history, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, University of Illinois and Northwestern University. They like to brag about being in the Big Ten, but really the only Big Ten they're referring to are the Big Ten losses they have every season. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had nothing, nothing that I was interested in. But you know how like when people get married, sometimes they change their preferences on things because their in laws like force them to. Yeah. Like like a shotgun wedding kind of idea. <laughs> well, and mine was not a shotgun wedding, but my Notre Dame was kind of a shotgun fandom. <laughs> mm. I mean, they didn't threaten me or they didn't say that <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't marry. It's uh, a condition for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it might as well have been um, mm. because I found very quickly that if Notre Dame is on, I have no say in what goes on the TV. Mm. <laughs> like there was there's one time when it was a OK, so this is in 20, the 2015 college football season. Mm-hmm. The Blackhawks had their banner raising ceremony after winning the Stanley Cup. And it was the opening home game where they did that. And I wanted to watch that. And I had to watch Notre Dame's opening game instead of the Blackhawks banner racing ceremony, <laughs> which I ended up just streaming live on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the um, level of seriousness that my in-laws take with Notre Dame. Uh, especially, they, they just don't really have that much time for hockey. Um, so to be honest, at the time, I was kind of irritated by Notre Dame because it was so important to them. And it like stopped you from being able to watch some stuff <laughs> you would have watched otherwise maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but things have changed for me. And so my fandom, I'm trying to remember, I want to say in 2016, maybe later that 2015 season, I'm not entirely sure. But probably 15 and 16 and 17 i was very on and off like i would yeah i'd watch a game oh what are we doing on a saturday afternoon oh nothing i'll sure i'll turn on notre dame mm-hmm. or you know but it just still was not that appealing for me i would make small talk with my in-laws but outside of that didn't really have the interest well 2018 came along and up until that point pretty much the only thing i knew about notre dame was that manti deo had a fake girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> she was real to him Probably still does. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder how she's doing. I wonder how he's doing. I haven't heard of, about anything about him in a while. I don't know if he's on a roster still. I don't know. But side note: Have you heard of this service called Cameo? Mm-mm, no. Maybe we'll be famous enough one day. We can be fortunate enough to be on it. But basically, it's this thing where um, it's not even really that famous of people. There are some that are really famous, but most of them are probably like c-list d-list celebrities Mm -hmm. and athletes but 
it's the service where basically you pay them to make a personalized video. So there's videos of people paid Brett Favre to make a personalized birthday video for the relative, which I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Especially him. You never know what kind of video you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's crazy. Like, his, Brett Favre, I think it costs like $500 for him to record like a 20-second video to say happy birthday. It's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. I mean, it's still too much to pay for that, but it's <laughs> still kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for all Wisconsin people because they all own part of the Packers. Anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, Manti Teo, I found on there and he was like $15. So <laughs> recently or like, wow, well, it was, it was in the fall. So it was fair within the last year. Hey, actually, if you listen right now, I have one from his girlfriend. Ooh, let's, let's listen. Hmm. Thank yeah. you. That was nice. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. Manti Teo's girlfriend. Our first guest. <laughs> What yeah. a celebrity. <laughs> that was probably the biggest news, like nationally news story in all of college football for a while. Not relating to the actual games. That was a huge <laughs> story when all that happened. Yeah. And, and so that was pretty much all I knew up until that point. But in 2018 is when I really got into Notre Dame and it helped that they went 12 and 0 that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the year where I really started to understand the national media's hatred for Notre Dame so that season just a real quick recap um I remember did they open the season against Michigan do you remember it's either the first or second game okay I know I remember I know Notre Dame won that game yeah it's always been early on Brandon Wimbush was the quarterback um Mm -hmm. and anyway after game three I want to say he had a shaky game Notre Dame still pulled out the victory and so um Coach Kelly replaced Wimbush with Ian Book, mm-hmm. and Ian Book was the start of the rest of the season. Um, they pretty much every every victory I remember being fairly easy for them, except for um, they had to kind of squeak one out against Pitt. I remember, um, <laughs> but that season I watched every game. I got super into it. I, I was super excited. Uh, my favorite memory from that season was watching their shamrock series game against uh syracuse and they played at new york uh at the yankee stadium mm-hmm. i remember that game yeah. yeah and it was cool and i really liked notre dame's alternate jerseys and stuff like that so mm-hmm. anyway i really enjoyed that game um and then uh notre dame by being 12 and 0 they were ranked third in the college football playoffs um to, to end the season so okay because i was thinking this might be like the last i was going to ask actually if it was the last year of the bcs where just the top two teams play. no no no. okay that was when they played alabama that was earlier then yes um, so, so that okay. might, was, was that before you were really watching then yeah okay now i was aware of that happening and that was when, when manti Teo was on the team yeah yeah <laughs> and uh I'll, I'll come back to that in a second um, okay so notre dame um, yeah, twelve and zero, ranked third overall. They get in the college football playoffs, and they're matched up with number two overall, Clemson. And Notre Dame just proceeds to get clobbered by Clemson. I don't remember the score of the game, but I remember Notre Dame only scored three mm-hmm. points. <laughs> so, um, now at least it helps that 
Clemson, it, I mean, that's like the best team they've ever had. And you have Trevor Lawrence, who's a generational talent, and Dabble Swinney, who's a great coach. It would obviously be worse if they had lost to like Appalachian State or something like that. Jerk. <laughs> sure. So I just looked it up. Yeah, it was thirty to three. So Trevor Lawrence threw yeah, for three touchdowns. Go. Number two, Clemson yeah, gets number three. That's surprising. And like you said, it's like it's not a rival or a hated team. It's like a generational talent, one of the best teams in recent years. So it's like yeah. you can kind of accept that, you know, a little easier. Yeah. So, but after that is when I really started to understand the way that everybody else views Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Um, because after that is when people started saying that Notre Dame should Notre Dame should not be allowed to be back in the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. or Notre Dame should not be allowed to until they play um, uh, a championship game. Because with Notre Dame being an independent mm-hmm. program, they only play their twelve regular season yeah. games, and yeah, that's you have it. No, they so, talk about like the thirteenth data point. A lot of times you hear that talk of like everybody playing their conference championships is another chance to evaluate a team as far as whether they deserve to be in or not. So when you're missing that yeah. and you, those are always against other good teams because you're playing like the champ, the other best team from the other side of the conference. Um, yeah, I really need what, what I want to do very seriously when we get to college football season is I want to have a few um, episodes with my brother-in-law because he's he knows way more and remembers way more about Notre Dame football than I, cool. I yeah. do um, but he I know for him he feels very strongly again he's biased but he feels that it's totally fair for Notre Dame to not play the 13th game because it hurts them just as much as it could help them if they win that could help move up a ranking or it could help them mm-hmm. um you know secure their spot which you do or see whatever. with teams who do play that conference championship some of them win a good game in a conference championship somebody else losing right. their win elevates them and maybe notre dame didn't because they never played one so they get jumped by another team right yeah yep um um so that's how it could help them but it can it can uh well yeah yeah so anyway that's his opinion I understand why people are like, no, they should have to play the same amount of games. But at the same time, if you make it a right for a college to be identified as independent, then that that's not the problem with the program. That's the problem with the NCAA. <laughs> like, take that right. up with them. Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. And then the other thing was basically whenever they said that Notre Dame should not be allowed back in the college football playoff again, they were citing the Alabama championship game. Which again, I was not really following then, mm-hmm. but I know that they got yeah. whooped. They got their behinds handed. It's one of the to biggest them. blowouts I remember in any playoff or championship game. And then to pair that then with getting blown up by Clemson thirty to three, those are what the pieces of evidence people often use to say they shouldn't be allowed back in. This one, twenty thirteen BCS national championship, forty two fourteen. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, so that's that. Um, I mean, since my fandom didn't really jump into high gear until an undefeated season, it's hard to say I've had a lot of low points. Um, but uh, last year, I mean, last year Notre Dame went ten and two, and so similar like with what you said with Michigan, it's not like are losing tons of games, mm-hmm. but in the grand scheme of college football, two losses hands you the Camping World Bowl. <laughs> Is that actually the name of the bowl? Yeah, that was the one they played uh, Iowa State in. 
that's the other thing about college is like it's improving as far as they've actually added a playoff which i mean people debate whether it should be expanded or not but the bowl system and all the it was it used to be worse but all these bowl games i mean if you're one of those teams where it used to be worse it feels meaningless well it now. used to be even worse back when i mean it, those low level bowl games are just as meaningless as they used to be but it was even worse back when you literally just had the number one and number two ranked teams play for the championship you don't even have any kind of playoff or play hmm. in or you know um that's the huh. one thing is that's interesting. I, I like college football a lot. There are some of the end game rules, like the overtime rules and stuff I've liked better than the NFL, but the playoff system in the NFL is just so much better than anything college football has. Just a, a kind of a funny story. Um, so again, I was with my in-laws for, you can tell that I watch a lot of Notre Dame games with my in-laws, mm-hmm. um, but we were at their house for the camping world bowl game. <laughs> And before the game started, I mean, everyone expected Notre Dame to beat Iowa mm-hmm. State, um, even though you know the announcers were trying to talk it up like it was gonna, this be going to be kind of like a, a 50-50 yeah. game. And Iowa State has won some big games, up, but they're all upsets. I mean, they're not like a powerhouse yeah. or anything, right? So anyway, I was I was joking with my in laws. I was like. Hey guys, I said if Notre Dame wins this game, I'm gonna buy us all shirts that say "Camping World Bowl Champions 2019." And uh, I did not follow through on that promise, but Fanatics does have those. So do they? <laughs> like a team designed one, or yeah, no, it's official. Official Notre Dame Camping World Bowl Champions 2019. Nice. I would never wear anything like that, like for Michigan, Me unless you travel to the game. Might be the exception. Oh, yeah. If I went to the game, sure. But, yeah, I would never. <laughs> I got to order my Michigan <laughs> Citrus Bowl or Sugar Bowl or whatever. Yeah, no. It, so, anyway. Um, well, it's kind of like for me, I don't often buy playoff gear. So, like, when the Cubs are in the playoffs, I mm-hmm. don't usually buy the hat that says, like, the 2020 playoffs on the side. Usually, yeah. Like, so for in 2016, I didn't buy a playoff hat. I bought the hat that said 2016 World Series on the side. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to buy playoff because playoffs. I was <laughs> just about to do that if you didn't. Yeah. Um, playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but w- one of my greatest memories with like buying something that never came to fruition was my mom bought me um, Bears Super Bowl stuff from Super Bowl 41. Now, again, it's kind of cool because they were in the Super Bowl and they haven't been in the Super Bowl a lot, but it was still, it still felt empty because they didn't win. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't really want to wear this. Right. Like my grandma who lives in Arizona sent me some Arizona Cardinals stuff the year they played the Steelers. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I like the Cardinals and they lose. <laughs> so now it's, yeah. I don't, you never don't, wear it. Yeah. I never wear it. <laughs> so anyway, so last season, the, the two losses were definitely heartbreaking because I was I, th- I thought Notre Dame had pretty much the same team as they did the year before and that they could probably go again, you know, 12 and 0 or even 11 and 1 and sneak in maybe in the fourth seed to the playoffs or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. But the, the first loss was early in the season. I want to say it was like the third or fourth game to Georgia. And, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia's, you know, big SEC team and, you know, highly ranked and, um, that game was so exciting. It was so neck and neck. And that, that's probably the college, college football game I've been most hyped about. Oh man, it was so, so interesting, so competitive. And it was frustrating because Chase Claypool, the 
wide receiver mm-hmm. got uh, he bas- he basically there was a non call on a pretty blatant pass interference on fourth down late in the fourth quarter for Notre Dame, mm. and so the pass was broken up even though there was pass interference and mm. that was the game. Oh, but man, that 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 was so crushing. Um, but I also feel like I can't say that too much because that's my second year of watching Notre Dame devotedly. <laughs> Honestly, what hurt more was the loss to Michigan that you referenced earlier on the very muddy field. And mm-hmm. honestly, it hurt more because it wasn't close and because I have you that I talked to that's a Michigan fan. <laughs> yeah, I remember we were like, we did this a lot during the season, which was cool, um, which is kind of when we first actually started tossing around the idea of doing a podcast. But I remember, especially during that game, just live texting each other back and forth yep. the whole time. And I remember most of the way through the game, you kind of your responses took longer, and I was like, <laughs> "I don't think he's watching anymore." <laughs> Dude, we okay. So that game was um, Hazel's first game in the world. Mm. Um, so uh, for all you listeners, Hazel's my newborn daughter, and so my in-laws were in town, and they were staying with us. Of mm. go- again, I'm watching a Notre Dame game with my in-laws, and. Two of my brothers-in-law, they had had tickets for a long time for this concert they have been wanting to go to, so they weren't even there for the game. But then mm-hmm. my other brother-in-law and his girlfriend, after like the first half of that Notre Dame-Michigan game, we were like, this is not even fun. <laughs> we, 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 we were like... We, we we turned to my in-laws and we're like, we're leaving. And we, we went to... Oh, you uh, actually did leave. <laughs> yeah, we left and went to like TJ Maxx. Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. TJ Maxx where you can get like leftover sporting goods. <laughs> yeah. For full price. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's... Yeah. That's supposed to make me feel bad, by the way. It doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> Since that's one of my lone Michigan <laughs> recent... Hey, take good it. memories. I'm just gonna yeah. take it. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> you have plenty more time to have good memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing with that, we talked about um, in the Blackhawks Red Wings when we did the NHL segment. Um, just now, the fact another rivalry kind of taken away, like when they did the realignment in the NHL. So now Michigan and Notre Dame, I think, don't play till like 2032 or 33. Oh my! Goodness. So it's gonna be a long time. Um, which sucks because they used to play every year, and right, yeah, no, my my brothers and I again, I'm not quite there yet um, with it, but my brothers-in-law they hate Michigan, yeah, which is great. Like that kind of rivalry is, especially with Michigan always losing to Ohio State. It's nice to have other rivals like Michigan State and Notre Dame, who it's at least a little more even, and you can actually look forward to the games. Well, and it's kind of fun because in the South Bend area, that's so north in Indiana that you have a lot of Michigan fans there too. So you oh, have yeah. a yeah. good mix, kind of like you know, I live in the north eastern section of Illinois, and it's close enough to Wisconsin that we have a really fun mix of Bears and Packers fans. So. The rivalry, I think, just gets even stronger with that. For sure. Anyway, I mean, I don't really have much more to say about Notre Dame. I think I drew that out longer than I probably thought I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said just kind of getting started with really caring. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very it's very new to me um, still, and I, I there's still things that happen that I'm like 
confused by and constantly needing to remind myself that it's okay that they only got one foot down in bounds, um, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, I also need to like mentally prepare myself when they go into an overtime that it's not at all like the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the overtime better in college? Um, only because the NFL one really isn't any good. I, the college one is fine. I do kind of like the idea that it's a shootout, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I was going to say, I feel like it takes, it takes away the punch you in the mouth defensive side of the ball. But I mean, if, if they're throwing so much or running so either way you need defense i don't know yeah i, I think i think it's probably better because it raises the stakes um and in the nfl i mean for the longest time with the nfl being sudden death and with it being you know just a field goal would end it yeah looking back that is kind of ridiculous at the time i thought it was fine but looking back yeah it's crazy yeah and now with the whole thing they have with if you score a touchdown the game's over if you score a field goal the other team gets the ball i kind of agree that i think that i think either way probably both teams need to touch the ball yeah and i think that is the one thing that college football does have over it is like both teams have a chance to score and you putting them in range within range to score that's my thoughts on it what about you yeah, I you made a comment about I'd say I like it better than the NFL just because I do think the NFL it's improved but it is kind of broken how you can end it without the other team even getting the ball. Um but I do like how you have to drive down the whole field. Like yeah. you're starting off a new quarter with college. I can't remember where you place the ball but you're already only have 30 yards to go. You're already yeah. in positive territory. It kind of does favor the offense. I mean, I know you can still make a stop and I don't know. I do have really good memories of college overtime games. Actually, one against Notre Dame. What year would this have been? 10 or 11, maybe? It's been a while. Okay. But they play in Michigan. It's under the lights. I think it was Michigan's first game, actually. First night game at the big house. And it went to three overtimes, two or three. And just back and forth scores in overtime. So I do have really good memories of college football, like triple overtime games. Mm. And that part is really cool. But I don't know. Yeah, almost kind of like a shootout in hockey. It feels like it's a different game that's played after, whereas the NFL feels more like you're starting a new quarter. Kind of the college football overtime kind of feels like you're. It's like a mini game that's played at the end to decide it. You know, where it's different, mm-hmm. like separate from the actual game. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, my favorite overtime is extra innings in baseball. Yeah. It's just so classic and straightforward. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I hate it when people are like, oh, we should do it where the runner starts on second base and everything. Oh, yeah. Like no, that. don't. No. Keep it so pure the way it is. And everyone's like, well, what about the 19 inning games? Yeah. That those happen like can. once a year. Yeah. Yeah. And if that does happen, if anything, it's just cool. Like, if you don't like it, just leave or just stop yeah. watching. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, like, as far as. Yeah, college. I do like that you have started watching more in recent years because it kind of, not just for the podcast, but it does give us a chance to talk about college football on the podcast, whereas, yeah, otherwise we might not. Um, And we won't obviously do a whole podcast of this because it won't be a huge source of conversation, really, and it's just not as big of a deal, I guess. But I am a really big Michigan basketball fan, too. So I know you watch March Madness. Do you really watch Notre Dame basketball much at all or anything or you're not really that invested in a team specifically. Yeah, good question. Um, 
NCAA basketball, yeah, I watch March Madness, and I usually always find a couple teams that I want to kind of cheer for. Yeah, for that, um, I Notre Dame, I like kind of cheer for. Not really. I, I don't really have a strong allegiance with college basketball. Yeah. Um, my in laws cheer for IU, but it's not even like super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so lately, I've been just kind of hopping on whatever um, Chicago team is doing best. Like Loyola, Chicago. Yeah, a few years ago it was Loyola. Um, This year DePaul was playing really well. Mm -hmm. Um, Northwestern, I think, was in the made it to the second round. I want to say or third round Mm -hmm. of March Madness a few years ago. So that's cool. No, I definitely have some interest there. Um, I mean, I enjoy the tournament, but um, in terms of a team, I have allegiance to. It's not not very strong in any way. So yeah, I got you, and that's that's fine because yeah, that's as in-depth as we're ever going to get into college basketball in the show, right. like talking March Madness, if that ever We'll talk March again. Madness when it gets to, yeah. Yeah, but I I am one of those guys who I watch like almost all the regular season college basketball games. I actually have a lot of really good college basketball Michigan nice. memories. So My favorite is college synchronized swimming. That's really good, too. <laughs> we will have a full podcast on that coming out next week. It may be two-parter. Yeah. I think we'll make a separate whole podcast, like... It'll be called something else. Collegiate synchronized swimming. Well, that's what we're frustrated about today. What about you? Share your frustrations with us or about us at Real FN Podcast on Twitter or nationoffrustration at gmail.com. Or go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. And if you're frustrated that this episode is over because you wanted to hear more, be sure to look for new episodes every Thursday everywhere you can get podcasts. Lastly, if searching for our podcast every week frustrates you, then just subscribe to save yourself the frustration. It also saves us the frustration of having no subscribers. Now get out there and frustrate the hate.